Bright Sounds, the voice of Brightworld. Hello and welcome back to Bright Sounds, Brightworld Guardianship's podcast channel. Following repeated reassurances from the government that examinations would proceed as normal in 2021, it was confirmed on the 4th of January that all GCSE and A-level exams would be cancelled. IGCSE exams, offered mainly in independent schools, would proceed as normal. Following criticism of the assessment process in 2020, the Office of Qualifications and Examination Regulation, OFQUAL, is conducting a consultation into how grading will be managed this year. The consultation will close on the 29th of January, at which point Ofqual will work with the Department of Education to establish an assessment framework, which will likely be published by the end of February. Today, Corey is joined by Zeba Clark, Deputy Head Academic at King's Edward Whitley. You may remember that she appeared on our examinations episode last year to help explain how students would be assessed and what the changes would mean. Uh, thank you for agreeing to come and join us again. A pleasure. And I will hand you over to Corey, who is going to be asking your questions today. Thank you very much. Um, it's nice to have you back, Zeba. Uh, in a way, I'm just sort of hopeful that we wouldn't need to have another episode covering um, changes to exams this year, as we had all expected them to go ahead as normal. Um, so thanks once again for helping us to wrap our heads around the proposed changes. Um, as Leah mentioned there, the consultation doesn't close until Friday the 29th of January, and then we aren't expecting any concrete um, details until at least the end of February. So I imagine that leaves schools, um, students and their parents rather at sea at the moment and not really knowing how best to respond uh, to the situation. So um, are all examinations cancelled for 2021? I know we've heard that IGCSEs are going ahead, um, but in general, are, are all of the examinations following the same um, I suppose, stated last year? Um, I think that is very much up in the air. Interestingly, uh, CIE, Cambridge Assessment, International Assessment, who run the, I, uh, the bulk of the IGCSEs and Pearson EdXL mm. have hinted, they haven't made it explicit, but they've hinted that they would comply with the arrangements put in place by the UK government for anybody sitting their IGCSE qualifications. Okay. Um, and our assumption uh, as a school, and also in connection, we're part of a consortium of schools uh, in the Southeast. Uh, and our assumption is very much that uh, there will be a coherence and consistency between the exam boards and for the GCSEs between the GCSE and the IGCSE. Hmm. I think. Uh, although it's correct to say that the uh, exams have been cancelled in their original form, so in other words, there won't be the same level of schedules and long exams, particularly for A-levels, yeah. I think there will be some form of exam simulation or exam-based assessment uh, for both A-levels and GCSEs. They uh, spoke in the consultation about... Uh, an assessment fortnight where um, the week before, uh, I, I, it seems to me it's quite vague, uh, but my understanding is that there'll be a week in May 
at which point the exam boards will release a range of papers to pupils and to schools. We will have a chance to reflect on those and then we can get our students to sit those exams. And they've talked about late May and early June for a uh, two to three week period of written assessment. So that I think is kind of a backtracking from complete cancellation, but equally it certainly won't be A-levels or GCSEs as we have known them. I see. And I think um, I vaguely remember actually Gavin Williamson, the Education Secretary um, in the House of Commons, mentioning that he was uh, looking into the possibility of students sitting short form tests um, set by the exam boards. So I suppose that must be what this has now turned into in a way. Absolutely. Um, And I would say in the meantime, uh, I think certainly in our school uh, at King Edwards and also right across, I would say, most independent schools, um, and I would suspect the best uh, maintained state schools as well, Mm. what we are doing is making sure that we are really supporting our students with ensuring that they are doing what assessments we can uh, arrange online, making sure that we've got evidence of their standard Uh, and again very clearly in the consultation it talks about identifying the standard at which students are currently working for me that's quite a controversial idea because (laughs) we know that students won't be working perhaps at the standard that we would expect them to if they had had a full GCSE course in both year 10 and year 11 but equally it is an acknowledgement that they have acquired knowledge, skills, understanding while in remote learning and in the brief moments when they've been actually able to access proper education, as I think of it. Yes. And so um, I suppose another question that a lot of parents and students in particular will be wondering is how exactly they will be graded this year. I think we've heard a lot about what may be included and certainly in the consultation um, they mention um, tests and coursework and, and other pieces of um, what they're calling substantial work. But what does that actually entail um, and, and what will the grades sort of represent in that respect? Well, to give you an idea, uh, what we're pre- in my school, we've set up a working group of the heads of department and me and heads of year for the exam year groups. And, the, and we have, we've kind of produced a list of what we believe we should be looking at in terms of assessment. Mm. And the things that we've identified have been uh, topic tests, because for most of our GCSEs, unless they're like art, where you have, uh, it's a non-examined subject, and yeah. some elements of drama, for example, the practical subjects, for most of the theory work, um, our uh, teachers use regular kind of end of topic tests. So that's one element. Um, With things like geography fieldwork and practicals, we haven't been able to have those in the same intensity, but we've used a lot of online materials and we've been creating assessments around that uh, and getting students to look at their local area um, and to do mini projects. Um, And we've also set bigger assessments So hour long and hour and a half long, so 60 and 90 minute assessments, Mm. which are almost um, exam conditions. 
and we're looking at how we might hold a full trial exams, uh, ideally a session uh, towards the end of this term, and that would be the final substantial piece of work. But also we continue naturally to make sure that we are getting data from practice questions um, and, and exam practice in class uh, and uploaded to our virtual learning environment. I see. And with the, the grades that students will receive this year, um, under the assessment system last year, the government urged uh, universities and sixth form colleges to accept the grades at face value in a way um, yeah. for students who were looking to progress. Um, do we know how that will work this year for those students who will be moving on to degree courses and even progressing from the GCSE programme to the sixth form within the same school? So in terms of universities, the indications that I've had in relation to uh, university entry, UCAS, uh, that kind of thing, mm. is that universities are very conscious that this is a cohort which has had the bulk of their sixth form experience delivered remotely. Yeah. Um, and they are very much, uh, I think they're holding back on the... Uh, on being as strict, perhaps, with their grade requests and their and the predicted grades as they would otherwise have been. Mm. I think they're looking much more carefully at references. Uh, they're looking much more carefully at personal statements, um, and they're really trying to review who the student is. And I also have an indication that what will happen is that perhaps they will allow in more students who don't necessarily meet the normal standard criteria for a course but then the first year exams once they get to university those will really count so that's the university cohort yeah. um, i think in terms of entering into six forms um again uh, i think the gcse information that people will be providing is going to be accepted again by uh six forms looking at new entrants entrance moving from other uh, other schools but this year um, we have both set our own tests for admission into sixth form and okay. I know that uh, some of our students looking to move to other schools have been asked to sit uh, admissions tests set by the school rather than worrying about the GCSEs. I see. And I suppose that will be um, of reassurance to students as well because they'll have been used to the entrance test procedure from their initial placement at whichever school they're currently at anyway so it won't be such an unknown quantity for them in a way um and you mentioned there as well uh, it's one of the key differences with last year is that there are um, a significant proportion of students have been learning remotely and we're aware um, from both the guardianship side of things and uh, i've been handling placement inquiries as well from students who have been accessing the remote learning from their home country. Um, one thing that seems to have been in question, uh, and I don't know if maybe you have any more information on this, is how the assessment process will be handled for students that aren't in the UK at the moment at their respective schools. Um, I know that uh, we have IB students as well as A-level students and the bulk of our students who are being taught remotely in other countries 
are also planning to stay in those countries. Mm. And so we have been um, approached by schools who would like us to host students. And we've also approached other IB schools. And I think there's a, there, there is a clear reciprocal procedure with the IB for students to be uh, to deliver all of their assessments and their coursework at the school where they've been taught, whether that's okay. remotely or in, in person, but they may sit the exams at a recognized center. Now that's slightly different, that will be slightly different for A-level and GCSE. And I think in the consultation, that area is left very gray, yeah. but I do think uh, that it's worth contacting the British Council in the country where you are resident or where a student is resident to see whether they can potentially put any arrangements in place to sit those assessments once we know what form they will take. But equally, uh, I think one of the things that the uh, Department for Education and Ofqual need to be considering is whether we can put in place an electronic system <coughs> Sorry about that, that's the dog. <laughs> um, uh, whether we can put in place an electronic system for uh, children to be assessed uh, using Teams, using some of the software that has been used in universities right around the world. And also, for example, our entrance tests now, we yeah. have used online assessment tests right through the school from year seven through to year uh, 11. Um, we have electronic tests run by companies which can ensure the security of the tests. So that would be that would be something that would I think would be a really good thing to have in place. And that and if that is the case, and the papers are released in advance, then there's no reason for students who are remotely learning in another country not to be able to sit the exams. Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> yeah, no, that does. And again, from the placement side of um, my role, I have seen a, a massive increase this year in the number of schools using online providers for their entrance assessments yeah. um, or using I've seen software tools that have become available, allowing um, admission staff at a school to remotely invigilate while a yeah. student sits the test from home um, via webcam. So they're there seem to have been um, quite rapid developments in terms of online testing. Uh, we've always been aware of a few providers that a lot of schools have sort of gravitated towards, but there seem to be lots of other options becoming available. So um, that may uh, prove, <laughs> it may be useful, I suppose, when it comes to actually assessing students this year. Um, that is definitely going to be the road. Um, and if you think about um, quite a few uh, testing systems used internationally in schools, uh, you know, things like the US uh, SATs, um, mm. thinking about TOEFL and IELTS, thinking about um, uh, the middle years programme for the IB, those are all already uh, electronic exams. In other words, the students are already working on laptops directly yeah. into a system they're externally invigilated and the webcam is is a very common feature of that um, so I think that is probably a real direction of travel that has, mm. is, that is emerging and will gr will grow stronger following the pandemic 
Yeah, and I suppose that will be interesting to see in a way how much of this continues post-pandemic um, because it will have saved, uh, it'll have proved a much more efficient system in some respects for certain things. So it may end up being a permanent change um, in sort of some way, shape or form as we go on. I absolutely think that's the case. And certainly one of our kind of tasks uh, in our academic working group is to review what we think we will carry over, uh, what techniques we feel have really actually been advantageous to students and have, and have enhanced their learning. Because mm. there are certain students who've really responded to the challenge of remote learning positively in a way that sometimes they did not necessarily do in face-to-face -face schooling. So I think, although generally speaking, I am absolutely of the opinion students need to be in school, socially surrounded by their peers, working face-to-face -face with their teachers. Mm. At the same time, we've all learnt an awful lot, both teachers and pupils, about ourselves and about how we learn. Uh, and, that, and it's going to be important to really carry that through and build on it. Definitely. And in terms of um, the, the appeals process this year for students, um, every year there, there are always students that are unhappy with marks that they receive, um, no matter what the assessment um, consists of. Uh, how will that work this year, given that exam boards aren't directly setting the exam papers um, that obviously constitute such a large proportion of marks? Um, it, will students have to appeal to their school or can they still go through the exam board if they want to challenge a, a grade they've been given? Uh, there are two aspects to it. So if you are a student and you feel that your teachers have in have made some form of error or not taken into something account into account that they should have, mm. then you need to appeal directly to your school. And the school will then probably cross mark the work um, and it will be uh, marked. There are recommendations in the consultation that um, students, are, students' work will be marked either by a teacher who does not know them or has mm -hmm. not taught them uh, within the school or by a teacher outside of the school in the same subject. And one of the things that we are working on uh, in the educational consortium that my school is part of is uh, that cross-marking and moderation so that we have somebody to go to, should there be an appeal, we can say immediately, yes, we have a teacher who can mark it, who is absolutely objective, who doesn't know the student, who has no history, and they will cross-mark it. Uh, and then we can resubmit that to the exam board. And if there are any administrative issues or exam board errors, then that appeal should be taken to the exam board. So uh, there, are, there are processes that will definitely be very clear in place to do those appeals. Um, and what is interesting as well is that there's this clear desire to have everything marked um, by late July, uh, so that uh, that will allow uh, all of August for appeals and will provide both universities and students applying to them that bit of understanding that they will have certainty 
before the end of the August, uh, the summer holidays. So that is the direction of travel. And I think that's part and parcel of uh, a general direction of travel for UK universities, which is that they would like to try to decouple uh, the offers of, of university places uh, from the exam process mm. and to have solid grades and to move away from predicted grades. Yes, and I think I'd, um, I have seen mention of that a few times in news articles recently and schools sort of trying to move away from, as you say, offering places in advance, um, sort of on speculative grades that particularly when teaching is um, as disrupted as it has been, it makes it very difficult for a, a predicted grade to carry much weight, I suppose, um, given what may follow then in terms of remote learning and lockdowns and, and things like that. You don't know an, an awful lot can happen between those predicted grades now that might not have been the case a couple of years ago before we entered the pandemic, so. Absolutely. Um, I think it's a very different game uh, and I think that as well, universities are conscious of the fact that the students who will be coming to them, uh, whether they're deferred students from who, who would have taken exams in 2020 or whether it's our current cohort due to take the exams in 2021, these are students who will have experienced really grave disruption to the learning process and will probably need some form of significant support as they come into university simply to readjust because we very much hope that we'll all be vaccinated, that universities will be open, that mm. there will be face-to-face uh, -face teaching come September, October, and that we can be approaching some form of normality. I mean, I'm, my, my personal view is that it will take us a good year to 18 months to get yeah. everything back to normal, as it were. But uh, I think that we, I think it's realistic to have that expectation. But I equally think that those students who've had the bulk of their sixth form uh, at, at delivered remotely out of school will need support in terms of their learning techniques, mm. their well-being. Uh, and all of those aspects, the external aspects of learning. Yes, definitely. And I suppose it, at this point in time, we're all just eagerly awaiting the consultation to ending and um, some sort of concrete uh, information coming through from the government on what exactly is happening. Um, until that time comes, hopefully by the end of February, is there anything else that you think... Um, parents and students would find useful at, sort of now in coping, not necessarily um, just in terms of academics and um, managing their anxiety around what's happening, but um, in general as well. I think the fundamental is where you can take control, do take control. Um, I have a child who is in the upper six at the moment. Uh, we've had uh, quite a lot of up and down in terms of well-being and health and things like that. But uh, interestingly, as we've approached uh, closer and closer to what would be the normal exam period, um, he himself, as a 17 going on 18 year old, is taking more charge of his sleep patterns, mm. of his exercise, 
of his uh, eating and his socializing on Zoom with friends. Um, and that has been actually really rewarding to see. And I think that where we can support pupils and parents to really develop that sense of personal agency, personal control, it's absolutely key. And to really build confidence, to focus on building control, building agency, building confidence in our students, both at GCSE and at A-level, and giving them the opportunity to say, okay, I've done a lot of work for school, but what do I really love? How am I going to really make the most of my passions? You know, am I going to make that TikTok video? Am I going to write a song? Um, am, I, uh, am I going to do something fun that is just for me? And I think uh, really supporting children to do that is absolutely key because they need to have that sense of themselves and we need to give them back that sense that they are still growing up. They are having a time of adversity and difficulty, absolutely, but they're still doing their normal growing up and we need to be celebrating them uh, and, and supporting them to be the best they can be even if that is, uh, you know, making a silly TikTok video. <laughs> I think that's wonderful, especially for, I mean, I my GCSEs were a very long time ago, I now realise, <laughs> you know, that well over 10 years ago I took my GCSEs. And, and I think it's difficult for us to remember just how stressful it was. And I think sometimes people have this, concept that by the time you're doing your GCSEs you know you're all grown up they're still just children <laughs> absolutely they are and we need to celebrate that and give them some joy <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for being on today's episode Zebo. that was really enlightening uh and thank you of course Corey for hosting us <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode and we look forward to hearing from you next time bye everyone bye Thank you for listening to Bright Sounds, a podcast from Brightwell Guardianships. If you're interested in finding out more about anything we've discussed today, please visit our website www.brightwellguardianships.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter to find out more. Bright Sounds is available as a podcast on major podcast platforms or by subscribing directly to us on Podbean. Please look forward to more fascinating interviews and discussions with our Brightwell team and expert guests. Take care and we'll hear from you at our next Bright Sounds podcast.